If you ever get in your mind, it's over. You can't live on a half of the fence either. You can't say I'm half in and half out. I might jump in one day and I might jump out the next. It's a 100% bought out, sold out. That's what Jesus said. Let thy will be done. I know what I got to go through. I know what you're going to say about me. I know what you're going to hit me with. But let thy will be done. He was 100% sold out to the cause. If you ever make your mind if you ever get in, if you ever just say, I'm done fighting against myself. Right. That's when you're going to be 100% and victorious is when you get sold out to this thing. So here we are. And Jesus, 2,000 years ago, he's 100% sold out in his mind. He's just sitting there riding into town on a donkey, knowing what was just around the corner. He knows. So many times we know what they're going to do to us. We know what they're going to say about us. We know what the devil's going to do to us as soon as we walk out here. We know the temptations. We know the peer pressures. We already know what we got to face. He knew what he was going to face. He knew what he was going to be dealt with. He knew his best friend was about to deny him three times. He knew that his buddy John was going to be scared to death even come close to him. Didn't want to be associated with him. Think about it. Jesus, being fully aware of everything that was going on and what was about to come against him, being fully aware, he still let people praise him. He still let people bring attention to him. Right. Don't, don't forget, he did not want to go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the ones that's chased him away. Didn't want him in their city. He didn't, they didn't want to, him to be a part of anything they was doing there. Right. They, every time he came close to them, they would take up stones and try to kill him. Mm -hmm. But this time, he's riding on a donkey and had everybody there praising him and bringing attention to him. But this day, everyone in that city was aware that it was Jesus Christ. The man that everyone in that city hated and despised so much. It was God in the flesh. The one that exposed every wrongdoing of everyone's sin. That was inside of people. Jesus was coming into their own town. Once again. Back in our text in Matthew 26, we see where Jesus sent his disciples into the city. To arrange for a place in Jerusalem where they could enjoy one last meal together, which would take place on Thursday. The Passover week was a time that all the Jews would come together and celebrate the Passover of the death angel that happened in Egypt when they were still in bondage. Right. You know, they still, that's when we celebrate Passover, you know this? Yes. The Passover of death angel. The feast of unleavened bread was called this only because unleavened bread was eaten during those seven days. It was a cleansing moment. Unleavened bread reflected the fact that Israelites did not have enough time to put leaven in their bread before their fast escaped from Egypt or from bondage. Now a common Jewish tradition in that time period 
of Jesus was during this time of year while they were preparing the feast of unleavened bread, they would take the breadcrumbs and put the unleavened breadcrumbs all over their homes right. and on the floor. Now catch this. Justin, they didn't have nice carpet and nice hardwood floors and nice towel that you lay. They had dirt floors. And, and, and in that dirt, Bertha, there was all kind of junk in that dirt. You know, they used leaven, yeast. You know what yeast is? They used yeast to make the bread and the pancakes and the uh, 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 cupcakes. Makes it rise. So they would take this time of the year and take all the unleavened breadcrumbs and spread it all over their house because they didn't want any sign of yeast in or leaven in their home, Bertha. They made sure it was all swept out and cleansed. Then they would take it and burn it outside of their house. They didn't want any scent or any hint of leaven inside of their home. It was a cleansing moment. You're with me? Why would they do this on Holy Week? They didn't want anything that was not supposed to be in their home in their home. Right. So what does this mean for us spiritually? All through the Bible, leaven symbolized sin. Right. The Lord said to his disciples, beware of the leaven, false doctrine of Pharisees. And the apostle Paul warned the church in Corinth, or Corinth that a little leaven, yeast, leavens the whole lump in 1 Corinthians 5 and 6. Paul was saying that if we have just a little bit of sin in our life, if it goes unchecked, it, it will spread all throughout our life. It will infect everything around us, everyone around us. That's why it's so important for you to check yourself, or the Bible says to examine yourself, to make sure there's not a hint of sin left inside of us, inside of our home, or inside of our life. Not even a little piece of sin. Right. Now, I understand this, and I'm not trying to throw all of us into hell this morning. I get it. We all fall short of the God's glory every day. But what Paul is saying is, when you're willingly going out and sinning just a little bit, when you're willingly just to worry about gossip or false, false uh, accusation just a little bit, that's what he's talking about. If you have a hint of hatred in your life, you better get it under check. If you have a little bit of fear in your life, <coughs> Paul said, a little sin will mess up the whole lump, the whole body. A little sin can wreck a whole family or a whole household. Or a, the little sin will mess up a whole family tree. Right. I have seen it, and I know you have seen it. Someone with just a little sin in their heart. Something so small, they don't know, even feel like it's a big deal. But Paul is saying, if it's, if it's not dealt with, a little sin will overtake you. Right. Well, I've seen people, we, you might have been part of it yourself. But, you know, we see people all the time, Ashley. They run off and have an affair or, or you know, run off and rob a bank. And we're like... How in the world did they do that? I would never thought in a million years they would fall that deep into sin. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. There was a little sin that you didn't, that went unchecked, that didn't, wasn't dealt with, that wasn't cleansed out. Right. 
They didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to sleep around. They already had the thoughts of sleeping around. A drug addict, alcoholic, don't just become an alcoholic or a drug addict in one day. They start smoking a little pot. And before you know it, there they are in the hospital done overdose or got a DUI. It didn't just happen that one time. It was a little sin that was inside of their life that didn't go up, that went unchecked. A little sin inside of us will come out sooner or later. People want people come to me all the time and say, such and such, such and such. I say, it'll play out. Just give it time. It'll come out to the light. I don't need the such and such. It'll come out. Guarantee you it'll come out. You can't hide it deep enough underneath the bed. You can't hide it deep enough underneath the mattress. It's going to come out one day or another. That's why Jesus said a little sin will ruin the whole lump. A little sin never stops until it's dealt with or swept out of your house and burned into a fire. Amen? You see, the Jews was fully aware of this, so they would take this time of the year to do a deep clean out of their house. Nowadays, you know what we call it, Ashley? The mob on yard sale. No. We call it, we, we, we call it spring cleaning. You, know, you think somebody just came up with that? No. It was tradition all the way through the Bible. They would take this time of the year and just cleanse out their home. Make sure there's nothing unpure, unholy. Because when you go into this holy week, this, this was their moment. This is their sin-forgiving moment, Bertha. They didn't want a hint of it in their home or in their life. What we need to do before we, when we leave this place, we need to go home this holy week. We need to fast some things. We need to purge some things from our home. We need to cleanse our heart out and let God open our understanding to some things that's not like Him. Now, like I said, I know we fall short. Of God's glory every day. But that's not license the sins. Right. We need to check our motives sometimes. Check our desires and check our hearts. Because if we're not careful, there can be some stuff in our closets under a bed that we haven't seen in years and have thought of in years. Didn't think we bothered us any longer, Mary. Then all of a sudden, we're going down the highway and we throw a bird at somebody. Where'd that come from? It's still in the heart. What we say, we get hit or finger, say a bad word. Where'd that come from? There's some stuff still in the heart. Now I'm using light examples there, but you can put the blank wherever you want to put the blank. I hope God himself starts talking to each of us today and each one of us starts opening our hearts up and our eyes up to anything that's inside of us. That's not going to get us to heaven. I hope he helps us to see any self-motives inside of us today so we can clean out anything that's not like him. So on the fourth night of the feast, Jesus said to the disciples, was coming together for one last time. They came into a large room, an upper floor room in the house, where a table had already been prepared. 
Now, you know, we go to the Mexican restaurant or wherever, and we sit in chairs and around the table. They didn't have that back then. Now, I want you to get this full picture of how they were sitting. They had pillows around the table, and they would sit their hind end on the pillows, kind of with their feet behind them, and leaned up against one arm. So they was tight fit family there. They was all gathered around that table, touching each other, loving on each other. Then they would take the other hand and eat. You get the picture? They would lay on their sides and eat, touching each other, enjoying, in perfect harmony. Y'all ever seen the, uh, 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 the Last Supper picture hanging on the nanny's wall? You ever seen that? It's a picture-perfect moment, isn't it? It looks like everything's in harmony. It looks like they got everything going on. I'm like, man, I would love to be right there, right beside the King Jesus, right beside him, leaned up against him with my head on his shoulder. Man, I just fantasize about that, of being in that presence with the Master. Oh, it's fun. I love it. They was having a good old time. They was, they was all 12 men with Jesus. They was hand-picked men. They was chosen, called, invited to be the first of many disciples to come. Jesus, he loved each and every one of them dearly. This group of men, they was close to one another. They spent, they left family, friends, jobs, homes, everything behind to follow this man. They were sold out. They was committed to this man. They knew Jesus inside and out. Jesus knew them inside and out. They spent three and a half years together, eating together, loving on one another. He even at times told those 12 men, don't tell no one else about this. It ain't for them. It's for you only until I'm dead and gone. So this was a picture-perfect moment. A time this group of men was spending together for the last time. But Jesus, like anything else, things are never like they seem to be on the outside. For if you look at the picture of the Last Supper, it seems like each one of them, it seemed like they're very happy and loving on each other and for Jesus Christ just loving it up. But not all of them was total in unity. One of them was a betrayer, but one of them would have, no one would have expected a one of them to turn on each other. Sorry. Not at that moment. Not at that time. No one would have thought that one of them, one of the twelve, they was close. They were like brothers. None of them would have ever had a desire or a thought in their mind that one of them would betray Jesus Christ. They all loved him. They all seen the signs and wonders and the miracles that he did. And most of them was touched themselves by him. No one suspected it. I'm just trying to wake you up, baby. You're going down on me. And I'm going to preach on you here in a minute. You're going to get convicted on me. You see, nothing is ever hidden from him. He is God. 
and we can't hide who he who he really is. Amen. We can't hide who we are in front of him. Right. He knows all things. He knows the thoughts and the intents of everyone's heart. John 1 and 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Yes. And we behold his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Yes. Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the buying asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joint and the marrow and the discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. He knows what's in us. He knows what we're made out of. He knows every thought about us. You see, as your pastor or as your spouse or as your daddy or as your friend, you can fool me all day long. And I believe your lie. I believe you are the person you say you are and by it a hundredfold. But the one person you cannot fool is him. Right. He knows every thought about you. He knows every decision you're going to make. Yes. He knows your every flaw. He sees when no one else is looking. You can't fool the master. That's right. He's God in the flesh. He knows all and he's all knowing. But he loves us so much that he wants to expose those things to us only to get us to turn from him. Amen? We can love him or we can hate him. You have two choices. You can't like him. You either hate him or you love him. You can't take a piece of him and throw the other half of him away. you got to have the whole thing or nothing. This feast. It was supposed to be a happy occasion. It was filled with spiritual and historical meaning for the disciples. But that joy was soon to be taken away from that room. Soon it would feel like the air would be lifted out from that room, Bertha. It was when Jesus began to be more serious and the laughter and the noises began to die down. So here they are, they're all in unity. Just sitting around the table, drinking and eating, and Peter is telling them the same fishing story over and over, and everybody gets the laugh out of it. But we see when Jesus starts talking in Matthew 26 and 21. He says, as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and began every one of them saying unto him, Lord, is it I? This is the question that was on the mind of every one of the disciples that was in that room that day. They're all thinking, is it me? It, it, is it? I, now we know it's uh, Judas. We know that. We read the story. But can you put yourself in the room with those 12? And Jesus said, one of you. One of you in this room is going to betray me. One of you are going to turn your back on me and sell me out. John, who loved Jesus so much, he still questioned his own heart at times. He was thinking, am I able to do such a terrible thing? John, in his own heart, knew that he still struggled from time to time. John knew that under the right circumstances and under the right pressure and that he was just right, he would, he would fail and betray Jesus. He didn't want it to happen. He hated the thoughts. But in his mind and in his heart, 
He knew. That's why he said, is it me? Peter. He was a strong-willed man. Often too outspoken man. That Jesus named himself. Cyprus means stone. The one Jesus himself gave the keys to the kingdom of heaven to. Peter loved Jesus very much. He even said, Lord, I will never deny you. And I'm willing to die with you. But Peter, he knew deep down inside of him, he could fail Jesus too. Matter of fact, he denied him three times. James and John, the sons of thunder. Sons of thunder. They was known for their ability to start fights. A redneck. And to get in arguments. They probably had a hot temper. And often said things they regretted saying later. James and John thought they had grown in their relationship and their walk with Jesus. They didn't have to grow those things. But they knew they were still able to lose that cool every once in a while. So they knew that their, if their temper ever got out of control and got the best of them, they too, under the right circumstances, would betray Jesus. Thomas. We all know Thomas. Oh, Doubting Thomas. How would you have, like to have your name as Doubting Ashley? She's always doubting everything I say. Everything I do, she doubts it. Wouldn't be a good reputation, would it? Oh, Doubting Thomas. He was a hard man to convince. He was a man who had had, to, had to everything figured out before he could do anything for God. Thomas said, if I can't see it, if I can't have it figured out, then I won't believe it. He said, until I see the nail holes in his hands, I don't believe he rose from the dead. So he knew under the right circumstances, his faith could get weak. Right. So he said, Lord, is it me? Is it I? Every one of those disciples had their weakness, had their flaws in their character that made them question whether it could be them or not. Mm -hmm. In that room, on that Thursday before Jesus would be killed that very next day, every one of them men was quiet. And it was heavy in there. Felt like they was having a hard time breathing. Right. They was thinking, is it me? Did I fall short? Did I lose my temper? Did I sell Jesus out? So as they were getting ready to finish up the supper with Jesus, their hearts were very heavy. They seen Jesus in action. They already knew that he knew who it was that would betray him. So they're thinking, could it be me? Is it me? Could I be the one who betrayed the Lord? Those questions is on every lip in the disciples in that room. Their air was so thickened and heavy. Every one of them waited and wondered which one of us would be the one to betray him. They said, we walked together. We lived together. We experienced the miracles together. We loved one another. Who would do such a thing, Jesus? Could it be me? Then the answer was given in 26 and 23 to 25. And Matthew, he said, And I said, He that dips his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray him. The Son of Man goes as it is written unto him. But woe, but 
but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man was betrayed. It had been better or been good for him, that man, if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, already betrayed him, already had the money in his hand. Master answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said, Jesus loved Judas. It was not Jesus' will that Judas would be the one to betray him. Jesus didn't want any man to sin. Right. I promise you, none of us is perfect. We all have flaws in our characters. I promise you. Right. We all have weakness in our flesh. And at times, we all can get caught up in ourselves. And we all know that at the right moment, under the right circumstances, we all are very capable of being the one that could put Jesus on that cross that day. Right. I'm telling us this morning, it's only by the grace and the mercy of God yes. that it wasn't, it was that we wasn't Judas that day. It wasn't that Judas was the worst one of them all. The only difference between Judas and the other 11 that he made one mistake too many. Yeah. And he become a little more self-centered on himself and on the things of this world. Judas still had, had that little sin or self-desire hidden inside of his heart. He thought he could control it all by himself. He thought he was strong enough to play with this world and the things of this world and follow Jesus too. Judas, he lost the focus on the kingdom of God. He lost the concern for anyone else besides himself. He only seen what he could get for himself. That's why he asked the priest the question in Matthew 26 and 15. He said unto them, what would you give me if I deliver him unto you? Listen, he didn't care about other people's feelings or someone else's life. He didn't care about nobody else's life. He was wrapped up in his own world. Right. What will give what will you give unto me? I believe we as a world are becoming or have become a generation of Judas. I believe we are becoming and have become a generation of Judas's. I believe that all I believe what all is going on in this world today, God is trying to get the spirit of Judas' attention. God wants a church that loves each other. Yes. God wants a church to care for one another. Yes. God wants people that's not wrapped up all in things of this world that only helps them succeed in life. Mm -hmm. Judas, he took his eyes off of Jesus and began seeing more of himself and only of his world and what benefited him than what benefited the kingdom. I believe Satan has blinded us as a world and as a church so much that we've been deceived and believed. This world should please us. What do you have to offer for me to come to your church? What kind of worship do you have for me to be a, a part of your church. Judas fell into the same trap that so many people fall into today. 
How many Christians has turned their backs on Jesus and began to chase after the things of this world? 1 John 2, 15, it says, Love not the world, neither things of this world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I want to point something out this morning. Just right after the Last Supper, we see Jesus in the garden praying. Right after that Last Supper, he's in the garden. He asked his disciples, Bertha, he said, help me pray for one hour. Help me just to pray for one hour. The Bible said he was very sorrowful and was very heavy. If you knew what was coming, wouldn't you be very sorrowful and very heavy? Jesus knew that something great in history was about to happen. He didn't want them to miss out on what was about to take place. And we see where the disciples, they fell asleep. While Jesus was praying the greatest prayer of his life right before the greatest event that has ever happened in history of mankind. People fell asleep. They fell asleep, Ashley. Don't miss this point. Jesus asked these men to help him pray for one hour. They were the ones that Jesus trusted with everything. And here they are, asleep. Jesus comes to them three times. Just stay awake for one hour. Just stay awake. Something supernatural is about to happen. Something great is about to happen. Something magnificent is about to happen. Yeah. Just stay away. He went back to praise three times, and he finally stood up and he said, Sleep on. Sleep on. Just sleep on. Just let your weary eyes just go on to sleep. Sleep. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. When I played basketball, our favorite thing was I was the post player, right? I stood inside, right? So we made the defenders go to sleep by passing the ball around. You pass it around, pass it around, pass it around. The ball is here, back here. Before you know it, the defenders are fall asleep on me and they boom, laid up. Free shot. Free shot. You know what the devil has made this world do? The church do? Right. Go to sleep. Right. You know how? By passing the ball around. You're over here chasing this. You're over here chasing that. You're over there chasing this. Then you come to the church half asleep. Not y'all. The world. In general. We're all asleep. And before the greatest thing that ever is going to happen to mankind, the rapture, the devil has made the whole world go to sleep. You're asleep because you're chasing things of the world, things of the flesh, things that only pleases you. The only thing that pleases you is benefits you. And you're not worried about somebody else's soul. Their souls count on us to get them to the rapture. But we're sleeping in the church. I have the benefit to see people's faces. I wish I didn't. I know when you're not praying. I know when you're not. Oh, the pastor's spirit on me. I know when you're not praying at home. I know when you're not doing anything for God out in the world. I know that. I know that. You know how I know that? Because I see your flesh in control of the spirit of God. I see the Judas coming out of you. What can you do for me, pastor? What can you give to me? And the whole time, all you're doing is betraying your Lord and Jesus and Lord and Savior. What is it for me? I feel. If you don't know me by now, I'm not here to please anybody. I'm here to please God. Period. I was born of the 
nothing. I'm going to leave this world with nothing. I was born into this world with no family. I'm going to die with this world with no family. Somebody told me the other day, he said, you can have thousands of people around you. You know how you're going to die? Alone. Hmm. It's true. You can have a thousand people holding your hand and you die alone because nobody can die with you. Yeah. You're going to die and you know what? You're going to be judged all by yourself too. Yeah. Nobody's going to hold your hand. Nobody, you can't point your finger. Well, the woman did this. The woman done that. The children done this. No, you done it to yourself. You fell asleep. You got the Judah spirit. Judah had, had time after time to repent. Can you imagine been in that room with 12 people and God says, Judah, you said right. You're the one. What would you do? I would run to the altar. God, forgive me. Cleanse me. But Judas instead he went out and says, hey, he's going to be at the, at the garden at 10.08. 10.08 p.m. You can get him there. He walks up to Jesus. Kiss him right on the cheek. Then he had remorse after he sinned. Then he tried to throw the silver back in their life. And I'm oh, I don't, don't want it now. You know what the silver went for? You, you, you know he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver, right? You know what that silver went for? You don't know? It's a plot of land. He bought land for it. Calvary. He used the blood. He used the, not, not them, they used the money to buy the land that Jesus was killed on. Then you know what happened to Judas, right? He hung himself. Thank you. He couldn't live with the regret. Don't fall asleep. We're about to see the greatest revival that we ever seen. Yes. The rapture. Yes. That's when we gotta have a great awakening. Yes. Now I feel that in the Holy Ghost. We've got to have a great awakening. It's time yes. to get stop being so focused on us and get focused on him. Yes. Stop getting so chasing the ball around, chasing jobs around, chasing money around, chasing hobbies around, chasing clothes around and drugs around and chasing this around. Then you come in here. Is that too hard? Bring it. I always say sorry, but I'm not. You know, I always say sorry to like my fun. It's life. Mm -hmm. It's truth. Right. Bible said, who's going to say it to you? Right. Nobody. Right. That's why some of you turn me off. I get it. I don't care. Not y'all. Not y'all. Some of the people that turn me off ain't here, Bertha. Right. You see me? Right. All right, I'm going to go on with the message. You know, the world used to be. Y'all know there's spirits that's in the world. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying, Y'all know this? We live in a spiritual world. Um, right? Well, we live in a spiritual world. This, there's good and bad. You know, everybody was always worried about the spirit of Jephthah. You know, the enticing spirit. <coughs> I'm going to be you. I'll be you. I'll be you. Yeah. Enticing. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to lure you. Oh, you pretty little thing. Come here, boy. I'm joking, okay? That's, I'm sorry. I should have done that. Let me go back to you. And lure you. That ain't the spirit we're dealing with. This is the Holy Ghost. That's not the spirit we're dealing with any moment. We're dealing with the Jews. Self-control.
concerned spirit. The spirit's only worried about yourself right. and what you can get and what you have and don't have. Right. It's time to break loose from that Jew spirit yes. before we put them back on the cross. The Bible says, lay aside every way that so easily besets us. Listen, God wants us to enjoy life and family. I enjoy my hobbies. I enjoy my family. I enjoy vacations. I enjoy all that stuff. But that's not my life. You know what my life is? Jesus. When my family's gone, you know who I'm going to have left? Jesus. You know who? When all the money's gone and all the... I got family. When all the fame's gone, you know what I'm going to have left? Jesus. My, I quoted my papa on Facebook the other day. He also said, no bird flies too high before his butt hits the ground. I don't care how high you get up in the world. You're going to hit the ground. And what's going to catch you? Nothing. Jesus is the one going to save you. Jesus is the only one going to protect you. Don't get so busy as you fall asleep in the garden of Jesus. He didn't have to be Judas that day. Judas made his own choices. Right. And he determined for himself his own destination right. through his own choices. Judas was sitting there the whole time with 30 pieces of silver in his pocket, knowing the whole time, good and well, it was him. He was laughing. He was giggling. Right. He was having a good time. He was eating. Right. <clears throat> Knowing the whole time it was him. That was going to betray him. Yes. Let me ask you this. We good so far? Mm -hmm. I know it's heavy. Great. It. Next week's Resurrection Sundays. I'll promise you, I'll get us excited. I was, I was watching a show the other day. No, I was watching something. Uh, you know, I like advertisement for churches, okay? You know, I was kind of watch their <coughs> target, their market, you know, aspect. I was watching, come just enjoy our service. It's going to be an uplifting message. Really? I'm going to uplift your flesh? I guess I, I don't get it. I missed it somehow or another. I didn't want to go to that church to be uplifted on what I'm doing wrong in the world. I'm going to be brought down to my size. I want to be brought down little than what I think I am. Only one God can lift me back up where I need to be. No, where he wants me to be. But you, here's what I was going to get to. By the show of hands, and this, this ain't a criticism thing, it happens to everyone, so everyone should raise their hand, but that's fine. If you want to be honest, this is church. Have you ever tried to say a prayer? And thanks, Jim. And as soon as you pray, something pops in your mind. Not about God. Not about the church. Not about anything else. Just something off the wall. Not seeing, so to speak. Every one of us. As soon as you sit down and pray, something else just pops in that mind. We all have. And I pray. When we have a prayer meeting here in a few moments, we're going to have a good prayer meeting. I pray those 
visions in your mind. I hope and pray when you pray, you see every flaw about yourself. I, say, I hope you see every sin. I hope God pops everything in your mind. Don't. When you have those things pop in your mind today, today, I'm talking about right now in this church building, don't just go down those rabbit holes, okay? Repent of those things. Repent. Ask God to forgive you. Thank you. Thank you for showing you your flaws, your weakness, and your sins. Then start repenting. God, forgive me. I don't want to do that no more. He's going to show each and every one of us today. He showed Judas, and he was of the devil. God said that. If he can show the one of the devil that, he can show each of us. We're trying to be the saints of God, man. Don't brush it off. Pray through. Judas knew the whole time that was him. But he had to confess it, and he had to take ownership of it. Judas had to confess his lust of the flesh. We cannot have a resurrection Sunday next week and enjoy family time and all that stuff without that heaviness today. Without the six days participate in communion and you don't want to be in here at the time there's no hard feelings okay there's no hard feelings whatsoever God's not going to bring punishment upon anyone for this okay at all I guess I know that I could be Judas. 
Silver don't bother me. Don't, you don't even entice me anymore. I know there's something out there that would. And I guess when I start thinking about that, then I see my God. Then <coughs> snatched up. Have that prayer be See him dragged up there, and he's pulling that heavy cross off the gallery, Alec. And they put him in there, up in the ground. And I'm just looking up there, and I know that I just denied him three times. I was like, no, I ain't never been to the call of church. I ain't never been around them people. No, I don't act like them. I don't look like them. No, I don't speak in tongues like them. No, I don't do like What if I did that, Justin? And I look at my God up there on the cross, and I'm like, what I did put him up there. That's what I think. And when I come into this moment, I ain't trying to cry. I'm not trying to get your emotions up or anything else. This is not that kind of service. This is real. This is real me, okay? This is all I got. I don't have anything else. I'm just trying to be real. This week is a holy week. Just imagine sacrifice, all the punishment, and everything else he went through. Imagine that. Just visualize that. I hope you'll feel the heaviness this morning that I feel. I went over there and pulled Justin to the side. You feel what I feel? Can I change it? Can I, can I get away from it? This is right. And I know it's heavy in here. It started heavy when I first walked out of the altar. I didn't want to come in here and preach Sunday school. Okay, It is heavy. Could you imagine how heavy it was in that upper room that day with the 12 disciples? I hope that if there's anything in us, God might heal this morning. And we don't try to hide it any longer. I don't hope I don't try to just tug it underneath the bed and just wash it away and just, well, Pastor was off TV today. If God's speaking to you, let him speak, Judas. 